Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Intercepted. I'm Jeremy Scahill coming to you from the offices of The Intercept in New York City, and this is a special bonus edition of Intercepted. Up the middle, middle screen to Adams. Out and they're asking for help right away. Jim, oh no. And a flag. That looked bad. This year in the National Football League, or the NFL, there have been 281 recorded concussions that players have suffered. These span from the preseason right up to the last playoff games. This weekend is Super Bowl Sunday. These concussions represent a macabre sort of record. They represent the most concussions in a season since the NFL started keeping track six years ago. The hits that these players take over and over during the course of their careers can lead to very serious brain damage and a degenerative condition known as chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or CTE. When Boston University did a major study on the brains of 111 former NFL players, a stunning 110 of them were found to have CTE. Donald Trump has made it a central passion of his to attack NFL players because of the take-a-knee protests and to bash them as unpatriotic, spoiled, rich people. He's called black athletes sons of bitches, and he's called for those who protest to be fired. He even used his State of the Union address to attack the players. Preston's reverence for those who have served our nation reminds us of why we salute our flag, why we put our hands on our hearts for the Pledge of Allegiance, and why we proudly stand for the national anthem. We're doing this special episode to highlight a gut-wrenching new short film that my colleague Josh Bagley has produced with the team at Field of Vision. Academy Award winner Laura Poitras and her team at Field Division oversaw this project. Josh recorded every single concussion from this season, all 281 of them. And he's presented them in the form of a stunning, violent ballet. Everyone should watch this video, and you can do that right now at theintercept.com slash NFL. Joining me now to discuss this video and the very serious issue of traumatic brain injuries endured regularly by NFL players are three people. Josh Bagley, who made this film, 
Sean King, who has written an excellent story to accompany this video, and Dante Stallworth. He's a 10-year veteran of the NFL. Welcome all of you to this special episode of Intercepted. Thanks for having me. Hey, man. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Josh, let's start with you. What is the genesis of this project, Collision Protocol, that you're releasing today? So the project is pretty simple. It is a visual record of every reported concussion in the NFL this year, sort of stitched together as a short film. It's about five minutes long. Um, And it's really trying to think about the way we watch football and grapple with what it means to look at these kinds of images of people in pain alongside the beauty of the game. I mean, I I sort of describe watching this video that you put together as it's like watching a violent ballet. And you took footage from every single concussion that was reported by the NFL this year. What was it like to watch all of those hits over and over again as you were working on this video? Like, what, What did it do to you as you were watching all of this over and over? It's certainly a lot to watch. I think that uh, it's complicated, you know. I am a fan of football. I I have watched too many games this year in order to make this film. But it makes me think, actually, about things like fantasy football, the way in which um, people are betting on who is going to do well in a game, which is effectively betting on who's not going to get injured. The folks who win fantasy football are the people who bet correctly on who's not going to get injured. And so this, the news about football is very much injury news. And so thinking about how that circulates, how the images of these moments circulate or don't circulate alongside uh, you know, this sport that many people in this country love, what does it mean to watch? How do we see this sport and what does it look like? Dante, you were um, 10 years in the NFL. We'll have to forgive you for playing for the New England Patriots. Um, but I, I, I wanted to ask you, Dante, We sent this video to you ahead of time to get your reaction, and I'm hoping you can share what was going through your head as you watched this five-minute compilation of all of the concussions this season in the NFL. Uh, It was gut-wrenching. I mean, when I'm sitting there watching it, and I seriously, like, almost called called you and said, listen, I, I, I can't, I couldn't get past the first minute. Um, my, my stomach was curling the whole time I was watching it. And uh, just to know that when players are out there playing, uh, especially, you know, when I was playing, I was drafted in 2002 and my last season was 2012, right at the time when concussions started to come at the forefront of the nation's attention uh, due to the uh, CTE and the studies from uh, Dr. Ann McKee of Boston University. And players now, I think, have a better sense of, concussions and, and kind of understanding it. But I know guys, I, I talk to players, you know, I still have a bunch of friends on a number of teams in the NFL and it's it's still a hard subject to deal with. There are guys who, when I send them things on concussions, uh, whether if it's like some of the research or articles, they don't want to read it. Um, you know, it's, 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 uh, but that's their life. You know, it's, it's how they uh, support their family. It's, it's been most guys dreams since they were children to play in the NFL. But my reaction to that was all, oh, I think, a culmination of everything, like how in the hell did I play this game? But it's also, it's a, like, like you said, it's like a violent ballet, but it is a, it is a beautiful game, but it, it also obviously has uh, a lot of violence in it, and that's just something that's not going to change. You can't, you can't change that in the NFL 
um, to a point, whether if there's people that are coming out with different technologies for different types of padding or different helmets, all that is at the end of the day is really obsolete because you can't, you can't take care of, of the brain uh, in that matter. Human beings weren't built to sustain that many types of, uh, of headshots. And so we see now where a lot of the uh, parents are starting to take their children out of youth football. I think who knows where football is going to be in 20 years. I, I have my doubts that it's going to be as popular, but it just yesterday NBC, I believe, signed a five-year deal with the NFL for Thursday night football, a huge deal. I believe worth $110 million or something to that effect. So the Make America Great Again bots would love you to believe that the NFL is is uh, is dying. But you look at, I mean, again, one of the things where the numbers are somewhat sustaining in youth football, they've dropped a little bit, but they've, they're not, it's not big as of now what we've seen. And college players are starting to uh, understand, you know, they're not staying in college as long. A lot of juniors are leaving early, a lot of underclassmen are leaving early, but I, but again, going back to, to that video, I just, that something I couldn't get out of my head, how my stomach was just curling for the, for the first minute where I couldn't even feel like I could watch the rest of it. But I played the sport. I love it. It's a, it's again, it's a great sport, but it also has its uh, violent downsides, unfortunately. And we've seen that again through Dr. Ann McKee's work. She's done some great work. And uh, the last research that she had where she studied, I believe it was uh, 200 plus brains of people who uh, had played football and 111 of them played in the NFL. And of those 111, 110 were diagnosed with CTE. And that's, that's a scary thing, man. I mean, it's, you know, I'm five years removed from the game. I was blessed to play 10 years. I never blacked out from a hit or anything like that, but I took some tough hits. You know, that's the nature of the game. But uh, it is a scary thing to think about. And, and I've thought about it a lot. And honestly, it's one of the reasons why I wasn't really pressed to continue playing after um, I was released by the uh, Washington team in 2013. I kind of was like, all right, you know, I'm good. I was blessed to play a long time and and really escaped the game with, without any significant injury. So, you know, I, I kind of walked away from it. And that was one of the factors, but um, it, it was an important factor. And I think more guys now are starting to make those types of decisions. You see guys that are really like ballers that really are young and and don't really think about playing like guys back in the days did where they played 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell is talking about he's good, he can retire after this year if he doesn't get what he's worth. And I, I don't know how how credible the threat is, but, I mean, he's he's talked about it enough to where you have to at least give him the benefit of the doubt. And he's a great player. He's like, you know, like a Barry Sanders type of player where he's unique in his own way um, on and off the field, but he's talking about walking away from the game, and I could see him doing that. And more players, I think, are content with doing that specifically because of the uh, concussions and the research that has followed. And we're talking about this uh, uh, new video just out from Josh Bagley. This is a joint project of Field of Vision, uh, The Intercept, First Look Media. And uh, there also is a very powerful print piece that accompanies this video, which is called The Concussion Protocol. Uh, and it's written by Sean King, my colleague. And I just want to share with you the opening line of Sean's piece. Uh, it reads, this, ladies and gentlemen, is the most important highlight reel of the NFL this season. It's also the highlight reel that the NFL does not want you to see. 
Uh, Sean, your thoughts on this video, but also on the state of the NFL regarding this very serious issue of, of traumatic brain injury. I was deeply disturbed by the video. I, mean, I echo Dante in the sense that I had a hard time watching it. it and it's haunting and disturbing, yet strangely beautiful as you see the athleticism of men who are literally putting their bodies and lives on the line for our entertainment. And I had to get to the point where I felt like my entertainment is not worth someone else's brain. And that's exactly what we're dealing with. When when Dante says 110 out of 111 brains that were studied from the NFL had CTE, we're basically talking about 100% that guys are experiencing traumatic brain injuries. And part of the metamorphosis uh, that I had to undergo as a lifelong NFL fan, I'm, I'm 38, I literally can't remember a, a time in my life where I didn't watch the NFL all the way back to when I was a young child. That word concussion gives me permission, emotional permission to see what happens on the field and not think of it as a traumatic brain injury. But if you look up any definition of what a concussion is, that's, that's what it is. It's a traumatic brain injury. And when we watch this video, we are watching hundreds of men this season, as Dante said, with the best technology, hundreds of men this year had in the preseason and, and the regular season had more concussions diagnosed than any season in, in NFL history. We're watching hundreds of it's traumatic. 281 from the NFL preseason to right now, and we're on the on the eve of the the Super Bowl. Am I correct? 281 That's right. uh, registered what the NFL up until concussions. The, up until the very last game with its very best players. And so in spite of all of the technology, because what we are watching is orchestrated violence. And you know what I told you earlier was, I'm ashamed that it happened for me this way, but even when I knew that men were getting concussions, even when I knew what the side effects of those concussions were with CTE that was bringing upon horrible memory loss, suicidal tendencies, violence, and the like, as I even as I would hear men and their families talk about the horrors of experiencing it, I still continued to watch the game, and the the switch was not flipped for me. And I imagine this is what a lot of NFL fans experience until I actually got to know players personally. And um, in 2016, I, uh, my entryway to knowing these players was through Colin Kaepernick. And as I got to know Colin, I came to know at least 100 different guys in the league. And when I first watched the first NFL game of last season, I was excited because for the first time in my life, I knew dozens of guys that were out there on the field. And I kid you not, before the first game was over, I found myself struggling to watch it. Instead of watching the game and enjoying it, I found myself hoping that my homies didn't get crushed. And literally in that first game that I watched, I saw several guys that I'd come to know just get crushed on the field. And by the end of the night, it was not an enjoyable experience because it was no longer strangers. It was no longer men that were larger than life. It was no longer 
just bodies on the field. These were guys that I knew, and watching them get crushed play after play, game after game, it was not palatable. And so before I ever decided to boycott the NFL for social justice reasons, I'd gotten to the point where I was just like, hell, I don't know if I can watch this. And one of the things I started noticing right away, because as I got to know a lot of the guys, I got to know their wives, their mothers, their brothers and sisters, I would notice that NFL families either weren't watching the games, rarely are they coming to the games, and rarely are they cheering on the games as they happen on Twitter, like like Josh said about fantasy football. NFL families aren't playing fantasy football. And Dante could talk about this, and I've talked to so many so many players who experienced it. For a lot of families, each game is a horrible, tense, stressful moment, and they're just hoping and sometimes literally praying that their loved one gets through that game unscathed. And when I came to understand that, I was just disgusted, you know, that, that for, for so many years of my life I had enjoyed something implicitly understanding its dangers, and it didn't really matter to me until I came to know the guys personally. And, uh, and now it's a, it's a whole other thing for me. I, I, I can't watch it. I wouldn't watch it because of, of what it's doing to them. Dante, um, the president of the United States, Donald Trump, in his State of the Union also was attacking, once again, black athletes, um, and it was dog whistling again, and was using this kind of bizarre juxtaposition of this 12-year-old kid who had raised the funds to put flags on the graves of dead American service members and those ungrateful NFL players. But I, I think it's an interesting opportunity, given that you were a decade in the league, to ask you directly your views on the line that is now the dominant one from the president and from the MAGA people on Twitter, which is that these players are entitled millionaires who are essentially big, unpatriotic crybabies. When I hear that, I think, yeah, these guys may be making big bucks, but one bad hit and the economic stability of not just their immediate family, but in many cases, their entire family goes down the the, the toilet. Uh, but I wanted to, I want to hear your overall reaction to the way that Trump talks about NFL players and also the risks that they take for those millions of dollars working in the service of ultra billionaires who make the most money off of all of this. Yeah, I think the number one thing with uh, with the president when he, you know, from the very beginning, talked about players not standing for the national anthem um, when he even forgets to put his hand over his heart during the Pledge of Allegiance or the national anthem that they were playing at the White House. Um, I believe it was on Easter and Melania had to, like, tap him, like, hey, dude, like, tune in. <laughs> hey, you're the president. Put your hand over your heart. And he's like, oh, and he forgets. He's all about this compulsory patriotism, but he he doesn't have a patriot bone in his body. And we're not even, I'm not even going to like go and discuss all his deferments and all that stuff. I mean, listen, Vietnam was uh not something that I that I'd uh, applaud someone for or or condemn someone for not wanting to go to fight, but it really bothers me with, with the way that he speaks about NFL players and then and then the way uh, you know, he talked about 
people in, in Charlottesville after the march. His ideology is based in white supremacy. And until we can even like understand that and, and know it, uh, there's, there's factual evidence of this, of him actually being a white supremacist. And it doesn't mean that he wears a hood. It just means that his ideology is that white people are superior to others, including blacks and immigrants and even women. And so for Trump to come out and, and talk about all these things, you have to see where he's coming from, where his heart is coming from. He even uh, used Pat Tillman and and tried to, uh, he retweeted something about Pat Tillman. He would stand for the national anthem, and that's like the epitome of like what Pat Tillman was was not about. Like that's one thing that if you know if you know anything about Pat Tillman, you know that he would not want to be used in that way in regards to some type of uh, military hero or compulsory patriotism. He was a very open-minded dude. Just for people that don't uh, don't know this, Pat Tillman, of course, was uh, an NFL. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Fell player who, after 9-11, uh, enlisted in the U.S. military and uh, ended up becoming a special forces uh, operator, a, a, a um, army ranger. On Intercepted, the, uh, uh, last season we spoke to an army ranger who served in the same unit as Pat Tillman and knew Pat Tillman, uh, and, and, and he told the story of how Pat Tillman supported his effort to become a conscientious objector, and he, Tillman, had had a correspondence with Noam Chomsky and, and, and seemed to be very much opposed to the wars uh, that he believed he was fighting to keep the country safe. So j- just to give the context of, of, the, of Pat Tillman as you were talking about him. Right. And, you know, so Pat Tillman was uh, he was one of those great people of justice, of uh, a great American hero, as you would call him, but not for the reasons that a lot of people would like to believe. Um, the the players in the NFL, I think, are starting to um, understand the power that they actually wield. And I talked about Le'Veon Bell earlier. I think he's pushing the issue for running backs to to get paid what they're worth. Running back is probably now one of the positions that takes, that sustains most of the hits and the hits to the head. Definitely in, in some of the top players that do sustain concussions, I would say are, um, are running backs. And so he is trying to push the needle forward as far as getting players what they deserve on, on, uh, on the field through contracts and things of that and negotiations. So players are becoming more aware and more cognitive of, of what they can do and understanding that when players do take a knee 
and they're taking a knee for um, reasons that that are something where they're trying to speak out for people who don't have voices, right? They're trying to speak out for the people in the communities who are experiencing and daily living daily with uh, police brutality um, with a number of issues. And, and it's been discussed throughout the time that Colin Kaepernick first began to take a knee and then Eric Reed, his teammate, followed and then a number of other players followed by either taking a knee or some other gesture of a, a form of protest. Now, these are all like peaceful protests, right? But for some reason, uh, there are people who who just don't want to see NFL players, you know, taking a stand for whatever reasons, whether it be contract negotiations, uh, they blame the players, say the players are greedy, and, and but when the owners will cut someone early because they're not playing up to their capability or they're making too much money in the, in the owner's eyes or the guys that make the decisions in the front office, then that's just a business decision. Players are starting to understand this, that, w- listen, we're not, we are here for your entertainment, but that is not the full being of our existence. And you'll see, I think, players are starting to speak out more about about these issues. And I think one that's one of the reasons why they were able to get a, a deal done um, with the NFL and get the NFL more involved itself with helping players put out message against uh, police brutality, uh, criminal justice reform, um, a number of things that guys care about. And now they have the NFL on their backs. And that's more so obviously started because of Colin Kaepernick and other players following through, understanding the power that they wield and trying to push the NFL to get on the same page with them. And uh, on that front, Dante, um, I wanted to ask Josh Bagley, how do you see the relationship between this video that you've produced and the Take a Knee movement, what's the relationship between what you're doing here and that protest? I mean, one of the things that I find fascinating is that we're in this moment where black athletes are being chastised for kneeling in protest of police violence and at the same time sort of being called, you know, told to stick to football or get back on the field. And what that call actually does is, is... sort of a, a call for them to subject themselves to the slower forms of violence that that field contains, right? I also think about the fact that for many of these athletes, right, it is something that they've that they've grown up doing. Like folks like Dante, I remember watching Dante when he was, you know, playing for, for the Eagles. It is profound to me that the only time it is acceptable for a player to kneel right now is after one of these moments happens, right? After someone gets injured, someone gets concussed, and then there's a whole host of folks kneeling right next to them. So the gesture of of the kneeling and the way in which it's read in different contexts is just profound. It, and it's very much about what ta Coates called controlled violence, right? He says, it's a beautiful sport. You know, I love football, but I, I can't watch because it's it, the bottom line is that it's about violence. It's about controlled violence. And I just find that the way that kneeling is read in these different contexts is just fascinating to me. I, there are a couple of things for me that that come to mind in the connection between this haunting video and this movement of players who are coming to realize their social power and their political power. I think where it resonated with me is just the sheer sacrifice that these players make every single day for America's sport and. There is, and, and you referenced it in a question earlier, there is this popular notion that these guys aren't working hard for what they get, that there's a level of privilege or that, or that their jobs are somehow easy. And 
what this video shows is that this is a horribly difficult endeavor that these men undergo every single week and uh, that they pay a price for for their entire lives. And You're so, saying that they take bigger risks than executives at Goldman Sachs? <laughs> right. Right. Well, there is... There is Which this, America do you live in, Sean? <laughs> well, there's this constant refrain that these are just athletes. But when we all know that in the United States, the, the NFL is king. It's everything. Even with all of our protests coming from the left and the right, it's still the most watched thing on television. And it, even as Dante referenced with this new Thursday night football deal, which, by the way, players m did not want. Players over and over again have said, hey, stop making us play now multiple days per week. We don't have enough time to recover. But the NFL and networks continue to disregard and disrespect player safety and player concern because this is about money. And... It also gets back to me this notion of the reality that not a single black man or woman owns a team in the NFL, but that the league is getting blacker and blacker. And a lot of that gets to the reality, and I referenced this in my written piece, that studies show the more privileged and the wealthier a family is, the less likely they are to allow their child to play football now. And so what you get and this is how there was a, a study done to show that in this past election, basically, if you were black in the NFL, with very few exceptions, you voted Democrat. And if you were white, with very few exceptions, you voted for Donald Trump. And people say, well, how is that? Well, even that gets to if you're a white in the NFL, with, again, very few exceptions, you are probably from rural America. You are probably come from a poorer family in the South or in the rural Midwest. And so what, we're, what we have now is a game of poor white people and black folk and a few other uh, ethnic groups that come together to make money for rich white folk and, and older rich white men who own these teams. We can deny it or we can ignore it, but there is a horrible race and class component to who is putting their brain on the line. And I almost would compare it to like that Aaron Brockovich moment where she has this glass of dirty water and she says, here, to the executives, you drink it. And the proof is that the richer you are, the less likely you are to allow your children to play this game. And now, I mean, we heard that from even from LeBron James, who, who some of our listeners may not understand. They may just know him as an NBA star, but he was a high school football star, high school football legend who could have gone and played Division I football any any college in the country, who said, no, nah, I won't let my kids play this. And you'll, get, you'll see that in the NFL as well. Fewer and fewer children of players are coming into the league, and people are you know pointing their children elsewhere. So this intersects race and class and economics in so many ways, and that's what taking a knee was all about, to say, listen, there are things going on in this country that trouble me, that disturb me. And in a lot of ways, those very things are baked into the very fiber of what the NFL is about. What should the NFL be doing right now to address the fact that hundreds of players are having regular damage done to their brains while playing this uh, sport for the enjoyment of the nation and the wealth of, uh, as Sean points out, 
a limited group of white people. There's no way to really reduce, unfortunately, the number of uh, injuries that we've seen in the NFL because by nature it is a violent sport. Basketball is a contact sport. Football is a collision sport. That's just the very nature of the game, um, unfortunately. But I, I don't honestly, I don't know what else they could do. I mean, they've tried to get the best technology. They've tried to revamp uh, the concussion protocol, which sometimes uh, it doesn't fail often, but it does fail, um, the concussion protocol system. And so at what point, you know, do we get to where football is just going to become flag football? Um, because you're finding you're having you're finding these defensive players for these hits to the head and and listen I played offense and I'm I'm all for the game to be safe but you're making it hard on the defensive players when when you do that uh, because it's it's hard to for those guys to to have an aiming point and then as a as an offensive player I know when when the ball's coming my way or when the defenders coming my way, my natural instinct is to make myself small, is to to get low and to crouch. And so, you know, they may be aiming for my my chest or my shoulders and then but by me crouching, then they then they hit me in the head unintentionally. And so again, you can try to, you know, you find those guys and you you end up suspending them for repeat offenders, but at the end of the day, until you really get rid of uh tackle football, these Injuries are going to continue to happen, unfortunately. Sean, you um, uh, you were a very prominent advocate for Colin Kaepernick and um, uh, one of the main people that spearheaded a campaign to boycott the NFL this season. Your thoughts on what the NFL should do, but also are you going to continue your boycott next year? And how, how do you see the politics going forward of CTE, Take a Knee, NFL? Yeah. Well, you know, Dante said it well that the way the sport is currently designed makes it very difficult to to limit these concussions. And so I don't think that's okay. I don't think we should just say, though, this is just how it is. As wild as it may be, I think we should be open to other designs of the game, that technology is such, uh, if it's not a literal flag, Maybe there are other ways to to limit tackles or change the rules such that tackles are not an essential part of the game. I don't I don't know what that would look like. Isn't that why these white owners are making all that money because of the violence? Like if you remove that, well, then, yes and then no. you're yes you're, you're going to hit their bottom double, line of I, massive. Profits. I'm double minded about it because we love the breakout runs, we love the the wild catches. Like there's a lot. We love the amazing passes and throws. There's a lot to love about the NFL with being able to imagine it without the horrible violence. Like when I watched the game, you know, what got me excited was a breakout run where guys were juking in and out of holes. Like all of that could still exist without the worst form of violence. And so what we're dealing with is the the key proposition is we insist it remain violent because it does make a lot of money this way. But I still think that there would be a huge number of fans if the NFL was willing to make a radical shift in a way that it wasn't. And here's the thing, guys would be able to play longer careers. I mean, and the truth of the matter is, it may ultimately be more and more litigation 
as new lawsuits continue to be filed from new guys who experience the trauma that they're experiencing in the NFL that maybe eventually will shake this league into saying, okay, we have to do something radical to shift it. I, th- I think, you know, my closing thought is I'm still disgusted that Colin did not get signed to a team this year. And I think in the United States, there is a, a temptation to get used to the ugliness of how things are. Like, I see that happening with Trump. Trump, you can hear him be horrible so often that it just goes in one ear and out the other. But what happened to Colin Kaepernick this year was awful. He deserved to be on a team. He, looking at who's in the Super Bowl now, he could have very well led the Eagles to the Super Bowl. He could have been on a great team and done very well. And I don't think we should get used to the fact that a man was basically prevented from playing in the league for something other than football reasons. So for that, I I will continue my boycott. But this discussion, this video, this film that Josh made has even just caused me to say I, I don't support the violence that's in the game as well. And I'm double-minded about it. As I care about these guys who are making a living off of it, I can't support it because uh, I'm not okay with how it leaves them at the end of their careers. Uh, Josh, uh, what do you want people to take away from this video? And what should be people be paying attention to on the specific issue of this traumatic brain injury that so many players are experiencing just by doing their jobs? The honest answer is that I'm I'm not sure. Um, there's a lot of contradictions that are held in the game. I think that the science around CTE is increasingly like climate change. You know, 110 out of 111 brains, as Sean said, is is pretty much 100%. And at the same time, like, you know, the patience of, of Le'Veon Bell when he's running, the the agility of Odell Beckham, like it's it's beautiful, right? And so for me as someone who has watched way too much football this year in order to make this film, I'm kind of torn because it is beautiful and it is terrible. And I think for me holding those two things at the same time to just be clear about what it is that we are watching when we watch this game and what it is to play this game, as, as folks like Dante have, have done for many years, I think it's just... Uh, you know, defamiliarizing the familiar for me is is the project of the film, trying to, to look at how a lot of us watch this sport and to maybe sort of pause for a moment and be like, how are we watching this sport? I think that uh, that's mostly what I want out of it. I think making the film was just a way for me to try to think hard about how I watch the sport. I, I think ultimately it's for the players to say what the game should be because they're the ones subjecting themselves to, to the violence of that game. And so I, I don't have a solution for it, but I think I think I just want to be really clear-eyed about what it is I'm seeing. Dante, I'm going to give you the final word here. Uh, would you advise young people today to aspire to be in the NFL? And would you, if you had it to do all over again, would you do it? I get that question often. Um, for me, it's an unequivocal yes. I, I, I would definitely play football regardless of uh, the consequences. But I, if... Who knows? You know, I, I, I was blessed to play. I guess I was blessed to play 10 years, make a lot of money and meet a lot of great people and do a lot of uh, of, of great things, you know, throughout my career with, with a number of great people. But there are guys who are out of the league in three years and looking for jobs at the ages of 24, 25, when all they've known is football. There are guys who um, have been injured so much that they can't even, uh, you know, walk right or, or sit in a car for a certain amount of hours. 
and I don't have any of those issues. So it's easy for me to you know to say that I would do it again. But um, I think if the circumstances were different, it's it's difficult to say. But I do get asked often um, if uh, would I let my sons play or my future sons. I don't have any kids, but would I allow my my children to play football? I, I don't I don't think I'd steer them towards football. I think uh, I think I would um, I'd rather them play tennis or golf or something like that if they wanted to play sports that qualifies uh, them to be but, president but I, but, if they play golf yeah that that's i mean yeah so you know like you know and, and that's another thing too um you know i thought that uh with the election of president obama uh i thought that you know i'd never see a person of color be the president i thought maybe my grandchildren would but um you know now we have a reality tv show host who is uh, now our president so i mean anything is possible but I think, uh, you know, I'd, I'd let my children do what they want to do, obviously, but I, I honestly, I wouldn't steer them towards uh, football. I, I think that's an apt way of explaining the complexity of this issue for uh, the players, their families, and all the people that depend on them doing this work, because it ultimately is a very dangerous job that they're doing. Dante Stallworth, thank you very much for being with us on Intercepted. Thank you. Sean King, thank you for all the work that uh, that you're doing here at The Intercept and for your insights today. Thanks, man. And Josh Bagley, incredible work. Uh, I, I encourage everyone to go to The Intercept and watch this gut-wrenching portrayal of a very violent ballet that Josh Bagley has done a great public service in, in pulling together. So, Josh, thank you very much. Thanks so much, man. Dante Stallworth played 10 years in the NFL. Sean King is a journalist at The Intercept. And Josh Bagley directed this harrowing short film. It's called Concussion Protocol. The film was produced by Laura Poitras and Field of Vision. You can watch this film by going to theintercept.com slash NFL. I also encourage you to check out the related article by Sean King. And that does it for this special episode of Intercepted. Intercepted is a production of First Look Media and The Intercept. We're distributed by Panoply. Our producer is Jack Desidoro, and our executive producer is Lee Talmalad. Laura Flynn is associate producer. Elise Swain is our assistant producer and graphic designer. Our music, as always, was composed by DJ Spooky. Until next week, I'm Jeremy Scahill. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, 
or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.